Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. Uh, it's a very quiet one for us. Yeah, very somber, very yeah. sad. We... Flags at half-mast. Flags at half-mast. Uh, look, the Cowboys lost. We're not happy. It is what it is. It is what it yeah. is, but, oh, good Lord. Did we... Didn't we cry? Yeah, no, that was... That was pretty devastating. Um, I was like, we can talk about the past and everything, but I think all in all, it just came down to the fact there are just some few basic footy things we weren't quite getting right. Um, defending up the middle, uh, the crowd tackling that we utilise, especially around the goal line, it's good to slow down and play the balls, but it doesn't work if you don't set the defensive line, and that's one of the problems that let RCG come over when they shifted the ball for his try, for example. Yeah. So It was also just lazy defence. From yeah, the cows in that instance. Um, so, yeah, yeah look, it is what it is. But boy, are we proud! We are very proud. Uh, I don't That's... think anyone guessed that the Cowboys could achieve it this season. You know, yeah. What What was your hopes for the Cowboys this season prior um, to the season starting? Prior to the season, um, I thought somewhere between eight to ten. Same. And I was I was one of the optimists. You know, a lot of people on the NRL subreddit, on the Discord servers and every day, they thought I was delusional because I was saying 8 to 10 was reasonable. And I thought Hiku and Shad were going to be great signings. But if you told me that we'd be in third, you know, not not 8 to 10, not even like mid of the top eight, but like third, like that's pretty, pretty mind-blowing. And especially seeing the development in a lot of our young players, our engine room, because, you know, that's stuff we're going to have for a while if we lock them up. Ruben Cotter, he's mm. been re-signed already for a bit. So it's just, it's such an exciting time. And even though we didn't get that, you, you get the 2020 Penrith feeling about them. Like there's some unfinished business here and they're going to want to do that again. Yeah. Um, especially we're going to get Leilua's preseason as well. He's going to be mega fit. We're going to get Lukey back. It's it's going to be an exciting year. And I can't wait to see what happens in the offseason because... Um, we, we had some interesting developments and some players that ended up being quite useful for us that got signed in the off-season, mm. like Tanua Brown, Brennan Elliott. So it'll be interesting to see what changes Peyton makes uh, to the top 30 squad, who gets called up as well. You know, Taniela Sadrugu will be getting called up. Yep. Thomas Chester, we can expect to be there. So Chestnut, yep. Even despite the fact that we didn't get the win on the weekend, it reminds me that, you know... There's a, there's a lot to appreciate here. There's, mm. there's a lot to have a great... Um, there's, there's lots of hope. Yeah. If you're a Cowboys fan like us, uh, the future is bright. We are starting to develop our developmental system. A lot of juniors coming through. Yeah. Uh, talented juniors at that. Uh, the under-20... Putting that centre of excellence to good work as well. Oh, 100%. That, that place is amazing. I, for one, have um, seen... The fruits it has produced, so I'm looking forward to see who else comes in. But I didn't know we had a garden there. Well, Matty Hunter's <laughs> there, so. But no, no well, that's um, good. If you don't follow a lot of the reserve grade football, the under twenty ones Blackhawks won the grand final of the Redcliffe Dolphins yes. over the weekend. Yes, they did. With aforementioned names, including Tom Duffy, Luke Jack, and uh, Ragsy. Those are the Ragsy. three I can... 
that's that's not even getting into Mene. I don't know oh, if he's Cowboys contracted yet, but bloody hell, he played well. Really good. They all played wonderful. So those four blokes that we just named, solid. And if you have watched any Very. of their prior games, you can they they are real talent. Yeah, but, they they consistently do it. Oh yeah. You know, Jacob Mene, uh, I think 27 tries throughout the season. That's Alex Johnson yeah. levels. That's It's ridiculous. It's And it's not just his try scoring ability as well. You know, it's the hit-ups that he takes out of his own end. You know, he's a powerful runner of the ball and he's something that defences, they, they have to think about. And not just that, the Young Guns program... Uh, we also had the Cowboys under 16s versus the Cowboy uh, versus the Broncos under 16s on the weekend. Uh, I don't know how they went, but they looked pretty good. Um, a lot of talented youngsters in that side. So again, if you're a Cowboys fan, future is bright. Yeah, you this have... is this is the optimism to start. Yes, yes, but then. Now we have to talk about the game as a whole, and that is Eels versus Cowboys. I, don't, I think we're going yep. to talk more of the Eels aspects and what they did right versus what they yeah. did wrong. Because there's a, really, there's no point in talking about the Cowboys because their season is unfortunately over. And yeah, well, we, we, we know what they do well, and we obviously just spoke about what they didn't do too well with their yeah. defense up the middle. But there's, there's a lot of exciting stuff in this game, I think. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, going into it, RCG stand out for me. He was great through the middle yeah. for wow. Parramatta. Scored a double. Uh, really, he took a lot of metres up the, up the field. Uh, he scored, like I mentioned, twice, and they're both for big gaps. Like, he, he's a good gap finder so credit to him I mentioned to Jacob before the podcast started the fact that Brad Fittler did not keep him in the blue squad for the entirety of the season baffles me still because he has been a great player all season yeah and agreed 100% and yep like you could put it down to Brad wanting to play a different style of footy or he didn't get along with the Panthers boys. Really, that shouldn't matter when you're in origin. Getting along with your teammate, Well, getting along with your teammates is important, but you put aside your differences if you're in origin and you just play footy. But RCG, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's as you spoke about, it's just his gap running. You know, the way that he runs his lines, he knows exactly where to get to, and we saw that on his tries. More importantly, I think what I wanted to speak about was the wits of the Parramatta spine, in particular Dylan Brown. I think on one of RCG's tries, I believe it was a shift to the left initially that was being set up by Dylan Brown and his positioning. And then I think Marnie went back out to the... Um, he went back out to the side with RCG and under the middle and they ended up know bagging a try from that obviously at least i think i think that's what happened but it was yeah it was just smart footy there uh obviously marnie has copped a bit of criticism for his performance this year 
saying that he seems checked out. But I also don't think that that's really uh, a great reflection to make considering the style of footy he plays because Reid Marnie, he's he's not a guy that really runs the ball Mm. or tends to look bored, at least in comparison to like Cheese, where you can tell where he's running more or not. Um, He's always been a guy who just relies on making the right decisions, his kicking game. Uh, his defense up the middle, and he he's done all of that, and always he's made a grand final, which is probably also great news for the Queensland team, um, given that Marnie is a Queenslander. But I guess the other problem is that we also have the best comp in the nine, or best nine in the comp, probably other than Coruscant and Harry Grant there. Yeah. So that, that's questions for next year, isn't it? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Um, just so everyone can note, we will not be talking about representative footy. Uh, that happened over the weekend. We're going to leave that until after Grand Final because we want to go more in-depth with it. Yes. Uh, Ryan Madison also. Oh, they brought him at, on at the right time, that HIA for Papalihi. Yeah. God. They, they know exactly what they're doing with Madison, but also Madison, it doesn't matter where they play him because he's going to end up giving it his absolute best anyways, and he... He consistently does this. I don't understand how he isn't rated um, that much in the context of NRL forwards because realistically, he should be there, I think. Like he's he's an absolute workhorse. He's also a great ball-playing threat when he wants to be. I've seen the Tigers chuck him into second receiver a few times back when he played there, and he still likes to do that every now and then at the Eels. But then you combine that with his dangerousness as a ball runner, his versatility, you know, where he can actually play as a forward. He can play up the middle. He can play in the second row. He can do anything, really. Yeah. He, he's just such a versatile player. And that's in addition to that just pure power he has. Because usually we talk about versatile, crafty players. We don't see them as being powerful ball runners. But with Madison, it's it's really that best of both worlds. You know, it reminds me a bit of... Obviously, they're very different players. But in terms of how they combine the aspects of different strengths. It reminds me a bit of guys like Fisher-Harris, mm. uh, Tarpane, for example, Tino. They give you all the benefits of a big guy who runs hard, but they also bring you the craftiness of a guy who can offload and or get a quick play the ball. Really, a lot of people, like, a lot of people get this idea that your best players have to start. They have to be in the start in 13. While you would appreciate that, however, the best thing you could probably do is having a guy like Madison, one of the best forwards in the game, as you said, in our opinion, start him off the bench. It's kind of what Ivan Cleary does with Appy. Start him yeah. on the bench and have him in- ejected at the right times. And credit to Brad Arthur for this. He has ejected Madison at the exact right times each game this final series. We saw it against Penrith in the first uh, week of finals where Taylor May got binned. And immediately, Madison comes on to get his ball playing and offload ability into the game. So then Moses and Brown is able to spread the ball often and put pressure on the Penrith defensive line. Uh, Against the Raiders, he came on early. And also, he came on at the 11th minute against the Cowboys last week. Right when Papalihi went went off for HIA. Four minutes later. Talking about an early shift. Yeah, exactly. Four minutes later, JT gets sent. It's perfect. It's perfect it's half timing. coincidence, but also for the HIA, he's such a good replacement for Pabalii. Mm. And 
I really, and something on what you said with uh, your best players not necessarily having a start, the important thing is that the guys that are on the bench, they're not always playing small minutes either. Sometimes guys who come off the bench will be playing more minutes than the guys who start. And we saw this in Origin with the way that Josh Papali'i was used as a starting prop, where he was only playing about 20 minutes in the first few games. Uh, And you have the guys from the bench coming on and doing a lot of the work. So that's that's a very good thing that you've put in there that I really want to note. You know, the guy, there are lots of situations where guys on the bench are actually one of the bigger parts of the engine room. And we we saw that with Madison, obviously, and how long he played. He played for 59 minutes off the bench. Um, same with Luciano Lelua for the Cows. He played for 56 minutes off the bench. You know, these are guys who are there for more than half of the game who are making that impact. And if we, you know, you can even look into the other game and see it. You got Corey Sow, like you said, playing fifty six off the bench. Then it's, you know, it's a consistent thing. Like it's not just a one off thing. There's lots of times where some of the most important players in teams are coming off the bench and then playing the bulk of the game. Where, yes, hundred percent that can happen. Uh, great point from Papalihi and Origin. The thing about the Eels is we've mentioned how strong their forward pack is. You know, mm. Barlow, RCG, Papalihi, Madison, uh, Lane. Lane had a great game, I must say. He did. He did. The thing about the forward pack... Of you the could Canada, say he really stuck his neck out. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. I... <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> The thing about Parramatta is their starting core forwards play at least 60 minutes a game. That is three quarters of a game. If I have a look at the minutes from the bench from this game, Madison 59, so that's 60, there you go. That's a core forward there with Nicole Ray, who was starting, 42. Bryce Cartwright, 14. Jake Arthur, 0. Oregon Kafusi 36. Wow. If I compare that to... Cowboys. Yeah, Lay Lua, who was on the big minutes. Yep. Cohen Hess That's for 14, cause... Griffin Neem for 22, and Hammer for 3. You know? Wow. Around the well, it really... The rotations, I think, were pretty weird because of the Jason bin as well, mm. which I do think was the correct decision, but it was just so weird that they made it retrospectively. Yeah. Especially since that, like, Gilly only played played for 41 but then you have Cohen Hess and Griffin who only playing for like 14 14, which is like I'm like we know Cohen Hess and we know his commitment off the field we know that he's much fit much more fitter than a Mm. 14 minute player so I think the rotations were just a bit weird there and that said though there's plenty of faith in um Hayden and the Cowboys to you know, look into whatever they have to look into and work over the off season because they obviously did that this year. So, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, this I think this was a learning season for the Cowboys. Mm. I think they now have a good idea where they should be next year and how they can effectively get better. Yeah, well, okay. I'd also like to note that the goal line defense of power this game was exceptional. Oh, Guffo. Gutherson was ridiculous. Oh. He was everywhere. It was pissing me off. <laughs> He's 
it's just ridiculous. He just refused to not be in a play. There's so many players, like when Nanai was coming over on the right side of the field, and lots of people said he should have passed it, but I I feel like nine out of ten times, Nanai scores that try. Yeah. And it's just that Clint Gutherson defended that so well. Like, he knew exactly where to position himself. The scramble of Parramatta was fantastic all night. And, you know, they, they, they kind of had that dog in them, really, so, so to speak. <laughs> just, they just kept stopping everything that they had to. It was fantastic, really. Yeah, look, maybe it's the haircut. Maybe because he's got a good haircut, finally, he's going good. But credit to Gutherson. Yeah, that's, I've always had that theory, too. Because he was selected for Origin back when he had one of the better haircuts in his career, I think. Yeah. So that's... I agree with that theory that the better Clint Gutherson's hair is, the better he plays. Oh, God. We, we make some dumb stuff on this podcast, but it's... I mean, the facts least, are there. It's like the money. At least theory. we knew he was actually eligible for Origin. Facts. At least at <laughs> least we got that right this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Marjorie should definitely play for Origin for Clint yeah, good. this year. Oh, good lord. I think the funniest thing was also how wrong we ended up being because we had Cobbo go out in the opening minutes and we still somehow survived. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, but you said Corey Oates... I would, did. ...would be good. You were right. I did. No, it's... Um, I can't really take much credit for that. He was, he was playing great at club level. He gave me every reason to believe in him. <laughs> Still, a lot of people wouldn't have picked Corey, I don't think. That's true, mate. Um, it, was, it was good to see. But back to down south. Yep. The core forwards, again, like I'm going to keep mentioning his core forwards of power. That's how good they are. Junior Barlow, 96% tackle efficiency. Which is, like, it's on par for a middle, but considering that guys like RCG, I think, is around 91 or 92 for the season. It's pretty good from Barlow. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting was I don't think he made many tackles this game, or at least he missed a fair bit of them. Marnie missed a lot of tackles. Um, I think a large portion of them were from Ruben Cotter's runs. I think despite losing, uh, obviously, Bloke and Abar spoke about this as well on his page and the effectiveness of uh, Cotter in a losing team there. I thought he had a fantastic game. Um, lots of points where he could have broken it open. Mm. Look, Power just, we were on par with each other, I think, but Power were able to spot the kinks early. Yeah. So it's it's a team that's played finals for much longer. Yeah. And look, you, so that's... you could really put it down to, oh, they gained momentum from that forward pass. Yeah, they kind of uh-huh. did. But... We had a... We had a lead anyways later in the yeah. game. Yeah, and this is one of the main learning learning points that we had to have during the Paul Green years was that you, you cannot control those things like refereeing. All you can control is the way that you play. And yeah. if you're a coach looking at that game film, you're not th- you're not telling your players to yell louder at the touchies to try and get a forward pass. You're telling them, hey, tighten up that middle defense on the goal line. So yeah. That said, Parramatta, obviously, they're not going to win if they didn't play well. They obviously played pretty well. We've spoken about some of their key performers. I thought Dylan Brown, despite not having one of those ridiculous 300-meter games, I still thought that he played really well. Uh, he took the line on plenty of times. 
I, and, you know, it strains the attack. It keeps the middle defenders honest. From where I was sitting, I thought, oh, Dylan's been a bit quiet this game. Now, I have a look at the stats, 124 run metres. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. He he takes the ball over the advantage line every time he gets it. Mm. And I think it felt weird because he was playing on the other side of the field last year, I think, and he, was, he, he wasn't really going forwards a lot of the time. Mm. And something we noticed in the preseason, season these were two things i noticed that i was saying with them when we talk about last week noticing the distance from first receiver to read money and how he shifts the attack and that's probably why we defended the way we did that opened up so much around the middle i think mm. getting ready for the shifts um but also the propensity of dylan brown to move forwards this year and move over the advantage line and that was just as good as you could reasonably ask for from a forward yeah 5A who's taking the line on 100% so I thought it was and while Moses had a good game you know I think the one thing we have to focus on with the halves pans for power matter this this grand final is composure and concentration you know yes. Moses had I think it was he kicked it out on the full trice I think it was back to back to do that, yeah, it, can it was back be... to back. Yeah, it was twice, but worst of all, it was not under pressure. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about the Cowboys' kick pressure. This is something they did a lot to Matt Burton earlier in the year because obviously everyone knows how he kicks. But they they weren't actually pressuring. Um, they weren't pressuring Moses on those kicks out in the full. Yeah, he was just doing it on his own, and that's. <laughs> you might be able to do it against a rookie finals team like the Cowboys, but you're not going to be able to do it against Penrith, who are now seasoned veterans, really, at least as yeah. seasoned as you can get because they've won a comp. So and this is their third grand final in a row. Yeah, exactly. They've they've been here and done that. They, you know, In the context of the decade, if they continue this, we're probably going to be looking at them as one of the Melbournes or the Roosters. Um, not Not franchise-wise, obviously, because they're... They're not a team that has that enormous financial backing. Yeah, uh, they're one of the rural suburb clubs. Not not rural. So that's a terrible way of putting it. They're they're a western suburbs club with yeah. Penrith and the uh, Mounties area. So that's obviously something that distinguishes them. Yeah, and look, the fact that um they got their funding pulled out for the stadium is a bit ridiculous. But you know. It's a bit sad. I love their current one. I mean, I haven't been there, but I just absolutely love those like open stadiums. Yeah. So, but who knows? Um, shall we move on to Rabbits versus Penrith? We should. Now, Alrighty. this is a game to talk about. Oh, so hopeful. I was full of hope for the first 18 minutes of this game and then it all came crashing down because Appy Corso had to come on. He does that. He does that. He does that. That is that is Appy Corso. That is one of the best nines in the comps coming off the bench onto a tired middle forward rotation and he is ready to seek destruction. Um, we had that Brian Toto try as well, which oh, one, one of the rest... That one of the rare tries that actually made me jump out of my seat because usually wingers back their speed to try and get around. 
But no, he, he changed his line directly to just run straight over the top of Cody Walker. And he keeps his balance after that. Keeping your balance, that's the hard part. Oh. And he had the composure to get that done. So that was, yeah, that was just a ridiculous try. It was just roll. Look, the forward pack was being won by Rabbits, I feel, in that first 18 minutes. Yep. Uh, and then that's, you know, they'll gain that momentum. So that's when Appy Corsair came on, and really he set that spark in the Penrith forward pack. And he was just, he was able to do a lot of great things with it. Uh, that kick out, played a ball, holy, that was fast. The Rabbits didn't even know it happened, it was that fast. And really it just yeah. caught him off guard. Wow. You gotta be switched on when Appy's at a uh, dummy half. Team yeah, well, the importance, the importance of that is actually because Kickout has that size where he's able to run the ball, and I think we spoke about this before with Madison. And the usually when you have massive forwards, you compromise that ability to get a quick play the ball. So for Kickout to be able to do that so quickly, and I think the, the faster your dummy half is, the more important it becomes for your team to be able to get quick play the balls on the front foot. And the fact that Penrith have guys that are able to do that is, well, that's why they won the comp. That's why they're in a grand final. Uh, as simple as that is. So, yeah, that's all that can really be said. Uh, something else I want to say, on the topic of the four packs being um, in Rabbitoh's favour, I think that's when those big moments start to come into play. Because mm. if... If you're not winning the battle of one percenters of fitness, obviously, eventually Penrith did begin to win them. But it, it seemed to have come off the back of those big moments like Appy stepping up, getting straight over the advantage line, trying to score, and CE helps his team do that. And then, obviously, you've got the other play with To'o from the kick return, which was just stupid. Um, oh. It wasn't even poorly defended. It was just, he just... No, that wasn't from the kick return. That was from oh, Campbell it? Graham knocking it on into Toho. Oh, you're right. And you're right. I don't know why. the entire field. It was ridiculous. Campbell Graham, one of the best centers in the game, up coming into a best center into the game. He's evolving. He's getting better. And he's a great defender. And then for that to happen, that's insane. Yeah. Well, that's... You know, it's not really like we're talking about rookie errors here because as you spoke about, Campbell Graham's obviously a fantastic player. So that's another one of those moments where there's just some brilliance that really shined through there. Mm. I think there's also this really, really interesting phenomenon. I wonder if that 12-0 lead and the comeback... I wonder if that affirms Ivan Cleary's decision to have Coruscant come off the bench or it's if it makes him think we don't want to give up a lead this week because obviously going from Mitch mm. Kenny to Abby Coruscant in the hooker position was, it was a massive switch because Kenny's service wasn't quite the same. So he had nowhere near the run game and it's also going to be very interesting for next year because Coruscant's not going to be there next year. So... Looking into it, while we've seen what that forward pack can do of power, it's really it can dominate you if you if you're not switched on. You know, uh, I think it was like five minutes in when Cowboys were like finding it very hard to come off their out of their area, 
out of their half. It's like I'm, I was getting flashbacks to like the first couple sets of the Raiders game. You know, they started off very fast. They started off strong. But then the opposition of against Eels started to get slow and tired. And I'm like, oh, okay, this doesn't look good. And I turn to my mate and I go, I don't think we win this. And then what happens? Uh, that was before, you know, the lead from Cowboys. So a bit... Yeah. But like like you say there, you... I gotta think hard about this because honestly, like you said, you do not want to give up a lead against power. We've seen what they can do if they have a lead. On the other hand, you've got a hell of a guy to kick you out of trouble too with Nathan Cleary. That too, and you know you've got a hell of a guy to return the kicks as well. And we can see we've seen we just saw what Penrith can do if if Appy comes off the bench. The thing is about yeah. Cleary, he can be both a great player, both on the front and back foot. Personally, I don't think that's the same for Luai. I think he has to be a front foot player to be like yep. a good to play good. Uh, I think we saw that this game where he wasn't mm. at his best. You know, he was at the back foot for most of it, and he just wasn't coping. Uh, and I think that's where his frustration and his niggling got in involved mm, yeah you know Cody Walker does the same thing mm-hmm. I, I but really it all came down to just happy personally I don't I don't think Penrith go as good next year without happy unless Mitch Kenny can develop and hone his craft into becoming yeah. that attacking dummy row dummy half role that happy has created He's yep. going to be big shoes to fill. He may be a little man, but that's big shoes. <laughs> well, especially, it's not even just his craftiness and running ability, but it's also his vision and just mm. footy IQ. When, you, when you're in that red zone, when you're trying to score, when you're trying to go for those crash plays. Um, something else I wanted to speak about with Penrith was that Nathan Cleary was playing absolutely ridiculously. Um, there were lots of disallowed tries that Penrith had, all of them coming off the back. Uh, a lot of them coming off the back of Simon Cleary did with his kicks, with his bombs. So he forced the error with that one torpedo he kicked, which, you know, we're always talking about Matt Burton's bombs and we're always impressed by that. But that's oh. what, what Cleary did. That was a proper effective torpedo because he caused the error. You know, you don't, it's not high enough to make you to go, oh, yeah, I need to let this bounce. But it's not low enough to not, you know, instill the fear into you. And also, he kicks it so that there's the end-over-end motion in addition to the torpedo motion, but not in a wobbling way. And we're going to go a bit physics nerd to talk about this. So <laughs> the importance of that is that it changes the effect of the ball spinning as it tilts. Mm-hmm. So it's moving in a different direction every time. And if you time it right the way that Cleary did, where the ball is spinning vertically to the ground. Um, so like it's the ball is vertical and it's spinning on its axis, uh, yep. essentially pointing upwards. The ball is dropping straight down. Yeah. But it's, it's moving, you know, because the, if the ball spins, it curves, right? Mm. That, that is a proper hard torpedo to catch. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. If you go to a park and you manage to kick one of those, this is a good kick that um, Cherry Evans has in his arsenal as well, where it just gets that end-over-end motion as well as being the torpedo. Those are ridiculous bombs. And obviously, Cleary, when he pulls it off, he causes the error, the shift in momentum, just with his boot. And that helps Penrith win games. So that's something that's going to be very interesting to look forward to because, you know, the Gutherson's a pretty solid fullback, but... It doesn't matter how solid you are if you can't really judge it. So I'd be shit scared be... if I'm Rucker Black at the moment. Oh, jeez. You know it's going to come to you as well because he, he yeah. loves kicking to that side of the field, Cleary. So that's... Yeah, he was an absolutely outstanding player. And I think Cooper Cronk, this is something I want to go over. His praise for Nathan Cleary. I... I've always thought Cleary was a fantastic player, but I didn't know much about his attitude as a footballer, his processes off the field or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But what Cleary, this is what Cooper Cronk said, one of the game's greatest sevens of all time, probably the most pure seven. He's streets ahead of me. He studies the opposition within an inch of his life and he's got the skills to back it up. Trajectory-wise, he could achieve just about anything. Fucking hell. Wow. That's coming from Cooper Cronk. When Cooper Cronk says that someone's streets ahead of him, I think you know, I'm obviously I'm a I'm a Thurston truther. Just because I'm from Crown Townsville, so I think that Thurston's the greatest player of all time. Do I have any logical reasons for it? No, I just think he's really cool. Yeah. Um, but when he says that about Cleary, you start to think, what's he going to do over the next eight, maybe ten years of his NRL career? And because imagine what he's already doing now. He's going to have more time to study the game, more time to learn more. And obviously, you see, he's one of those guys that just always seems to have the perfect game plan against teams. Yeah. So I. He will captain the Blues. He will captain Australia. He will captain Penrith for the. Uh, at some point, he'll captain all three. Mate, if you could pick a na- a international team. Cleary is your first choice halfback, and he is your captain. Which is funny. I can't remember if I said Cherry Evans was when we oh. were talking about this in origin. I Look, I think I don't really care who gets it out of the two. I think they're both absolutely fantastic sevens. Yeah. But you just because we didn't have Cleary playing in the last World Cup and we did have Cherry Evans, you start to think when you look at him, hey, Maybe if we do give this guy the best forwards eligible for Australia, what what can he do? Yeah, but yeah, let's think, let's see. Yeah, I, I think this is a talk for the next episode. That's that's a good point. Yeah, as much as I'd like to get into it, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Clear, like you said, clearly amazing player, and to have that sort of praise from, from Cooper Cronk, personally, my. My favorite halfback ever is just amazing. Like it's it's enough to make us Queenslanders jump out of our seats and think, oh, okay, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe Cleary's the real deal in our half. So it'll be very interesting, and that's his something. Vision, his vision is what also makes him spectacular. There was so many moments where he kicks behind Latrell, and there's just oh. someone chasing it. And the Spencer Lenu try, you know, usually players would have, like, normally from a perspective of 
you would try and kick over the top of the defensive line for like your winger or something. Mm. We've spoken about it a lot on this podcast. Eyes up footy is key if you want to be a successful half. Matt Moynan yep. has it. Dylan Brown has it. A lot of these, all the top eight halves, majority of them have that eyes up footy. But Cleary is a, is a step above where he can spot a, any little chip in the armour. He will take it. And the best thing about it is that there will be someone there for support. Yes, they, point, they believe in it. You. The, the Penrith players, they genuinely believe in you know what their captains are doing. They realise that there's something happening on the play. And if someone goes through it, everyone's in on it. Everyone's running in support. Everyone's chasing the kicks. It's just every 1%. Everything we have made fun of the Titans for not doing, Penrith are doing the best. Oh, 100%. I, I want to make a leaderboard for how many 1% each team has done over the season. Yeah. Well, that's that's the funny thing. AFL does have this with the Telstra track. But we need to have something like, you know, most meters ran in kick chase or like mm. average speed in kick trace. I'm sure that Telstra are not listening to this podcast, but if you are, please set something up with the Telstra tracker so we can learn that. Look, maybe these, these is, are the... look, maybe Optus is <laughs> at the moment so they they need all the help they can get to get these customers back after that data breach. <laughs> Hey, Optus are probably listening to the original recording given their security. <laughs> they won't even wait until it's out. No, it's jo- jokes aside, if you've been affected by that hack, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, that. that's that's terrible. Like, what the fuck? I, yeah. A million dollars. Uh, hey, at least this, your data has been valued at a million dollars. I mean, that's something is you can recall. Is this the consolation? Hey, look, oh, I'd be pretty proud that's, of that's that. That's almost enough to buy one year of Luke Brooks for the West Tigers. <laughs> but not enough to buy Caden Ponga for a month. Not a... Roosters players' weekly salary off the books. <laughs> oh, we, we can't say too much, otherwise we're going to get a call from the Roosters in a minute. Look, I'm surprised uh, Todd Payton didn't from that face-to-face with Matty Johns. Oh, no. I, I didn't actually watch the face-to-face. Oh, he I, goes... I needed to. He goes to Matty, oh, look. Uh, oh, Matty asks, so what did you, how did you feel after you got dropped by the Roosters and to- said you had to leave? I was like, uh, well, look, I got told it was because of salary, salary cap uh, pressure. So last man in, first one out uh i was probably the f- the f- first and only time the roosters have sapped someone because of salary cap pressure god i love this man todd Payton <laughs> has no filter and i love it <laughs> he's, he's the best he, he's like the most calm guy but as you said there's no filter so whenever he thinks something he just says it he's like and it's like He's like the most the Yuki Sonoda of NRL, but maybe a little bit more tamed. <laughs> if you don't know who Yuki Sonoda is, he's a Formula One driver driving for Alpha Torari. He is he has no filter. He literally says anything he wants. It's ridiculous. 
he just and the thing is that Peyton always does it in like the most calm and collected way like <laughs> this guy has never actually gotten like angry in his life in a conference but at the same time he, he's pretty much just beefing with whoever at this point out of fun I love how what he said to James Hooper on 360 the other night I didn't see that what did he say there James Hooper goes Todd you're the third best offensive team in the comp oh second best yeah I just <laughs> hit over the top of Hooper second I love this guy oh but- I can't wait until next year we get more Todd Payton conferences and media. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. That said, there's only one game left for this year. Oh, look. One game left. It's gone so fast. Oh, I'm going to be honest. Like yesterday. I couldn't be less interested. <laughs> <laughs> None of my... I've had a shit final series. The Raiders got knocked out from power. <laughs> Cowboys got knocked out from power. Their power in the fucking grand final. This is this is the world's first footy podcast telling you to boycott the grand final because it sucks. <laughs> we're, we're not giving you a grand final preview. We're just telling you not to watch it. No, no, good ways. Um, get. But, uh, this looks. Does this? Oh, sorry. This does look interesting to say the least. Uh, you have the Parramatta Eels who have won three out of the four encounters. No, yeah, three out of the four encounters this season, with uh, two being the regular season, one being in the trials, and the one loss first week of the finals. So, statistically, the odds are in Parramatta's favour. Favour. However, we both know how good Penrith can be under pressure and how good they can be in a grand final. You know, they scored 20 unanswered points in the second half of the 2020 season. And then, through all the pressure against Rabbitohs, they were able to soak it up and win. Maybe that was off a Stephen Crichton intercept, but that the pressure was still there and defense was still excellent in that game. Yep. Oh, I just hope it's not going to be a you blowout know, score for one team. So, like, Penrith score 30 to nil. I actually want this to be a dogfight. Because, yeah. on paper, this looks like a dogfight. You know what I want? I want some mean Cleary torpedoes. Yeah, look, let's, I just... Let's get it. Cleary putting up some absolute monsters. Um... In addition to that, there is some interesting teamless news. Uh, Taylor May has not passed his fitness test. Yes. Um, and the, the doctors have informed us that they can't just instantly cure him for the fans. Uh, there is actually a process to go through. Ah, oh, shit. Uh, so does, that's, this, that's no, does, does this injury carry over to next season, though? <laughs> we don't know. We, we might have to count the injury for international games. C- call up your mate for me, please. We're going <laughs> to... I have to double check the law handbook and everything to see what's going on. But <laughs> shithousery aside, um, obviously, Taylor May is not playing. That means Charlie Staines comes in. I think a bit of the carries out of the back end mm. uh, without Taylor May. Because obviously, that wasn't his specialty. But I think he's definitely better at that than Staines. That said, Staines was actually very solid defensively against the Rabbitohs. He was. And he- He's put on muscle. I he has. 
not not in the Cody Ramsey proportions where oh, he God, went no. from a Cody Ramsey went from being a member of Lime Cordial to well being Cody Ramsey. So <laughs> he got the mullet and all. He really did. So that's yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Stains plays. Uh, Nathan Brown has come back for the Eels. I was very he shocked is... at this. Yeah. What interesting timing. To be honest, I thought Jake Arthur was going to get dropped for a second there and just put in Nathan yeah. Brown. You can, obvi- you can obviously see what Brad Arthur, what his goal is for this bench and for the team that he just submitted. It's size and power. It's something they didn't yeah. have against the Cowboys. While they did win, it's something they were lacking. And it's going to add to that dogfight in the middle. And Nathan Brown is just going to get up in your face. He's a very aggressive player. He's ill-disciplined, but he's aggressive and he's effective in getting up into people's faces and p- pressuring them. Yeah, well, he's, he's only played 13 games this year. And when when was the last Nathan Brown game? 17, round 17. Uh, round 17, wow. So he hasn't played since round 17 and they've brought him up for the grand final. Uh, I'm guessing they obviously wanted some experience in there. Uh, in addition to that, obviously, Brownie is a pretty tough player. He can, as you said, he can get pretty into it sometimes, but he is tough. And something else to watch out for is going to be how much Jake Arthur actually plays and how he ends up being utilized. Um, I think Madison, I'm expecting that late switch. I'm, I think the moment a HIA is, as pointed out earlier, and from what Brad Arthur has done, it's a pattern. The earlier they can get Madison on, the better. Yep. Seeming Sinbins and HIAs. I think Parramatta are a chaos team. They really are. I think I think that's the best way to put it. They're a chaos team. The more chaos happens in a game, the better they tend to play. Yeah. Um, I'm just going through the minutes from Jake Arthur. 21 minutes... 14 minutes against Raiders, so that's... Let me do math. 35? Yeah, 35. 35 minutes all up because he did not play against the Cowboys last week, so... Not a lot of minutes there. That's a bit insulting for the Cowboys that they didn't bring on their best half. (laughs) And to the fact that Jack Arthur was only put on against Penrith in the first week of finals because of a Mitchell Moses HIA. Wow. Because that's it's going to be really interesting to see how he's used. Because Brad Arthur, he he does tend to use his forward rotation, and then he just kind of does whatever with Jake, mm. which I think is a bit weird. Because Jake Arthur is like to me, he's an out and out half. Because I've watched him a fair bit in New South Wales Cup. I think he's actually got fantastic vision there and a decent kicking game. But the thing is, as a halfback, usually they're your smaller fellas. Um, yeah. You know, you think of, just off the top of the head, I think of Reynolds, I think of JT when he played. Um, your, your halfbacks, they're always your small fellows, quick between the ears. Um, Jake Arthur is one of the lankiest players in the NRL. Who Which, do you think uh, would get taller, him or DCE? Who could get, it's, who could get Arthur, an either leap off the tree tall. first? Have you, have you seen... Have you seen Arthur's arm when he plays first receiver? Have you seen Arthur? He's, I'd say he's lankier than Sean Lane. Holy shit, okay. He's, yeah, you, you'll see it this weekend if he actually plays. 
and this is what because I, I always thought Mitch Dunn was a lanky half back when he played halves in under twenties for the Cowboys. Hold on, what? And what they did with Dunn is they moved him to the second row. And then after that, they moved him into the middle. So Mitch Dunn now plays as a ball-playing middle for the Cowboys when he isn't out with his ACL injury. Um, but that's never happened with Arthur. They He's still a half. So it's, it's he's a very fascinating player. I'm and sorry, it'll be I'm interesting still shocked to see. that Mitch Dunn was a halfback. <laughs> he, he did play in the halves um, when he played under-20s. Well, you've seen it all, folks. You've seen it all. What's what's next? Are you going to find out that bloody... I don't know. Jake Granville, fullback. We all knew about that. He he won the comp for the winner Manly Seagulls in 2011 playing at fullback. Yes, yes. It's my, my favourite Jake Granville lore. <laughs> um, something that is quite interesting for Parra also, Bailey Simonson at centre. I yes. didn't actually believe he was going to play centre last week. I thought there was going to be a switch with life of Blake. Yeah, same here. I thought that... Did not happen. Yeah, I thought that Bailey would have been, you know, that starting winger. You know, he's been he's played majority... He's a winger and fullback. Uh, we, he had that really good game for Raiders last season as a fullback, and he did tremendous. Uh, and then, you know... For the rest of that season, he is a winger. Yep. So, interesting to see that he's been played at centre. I would personally think, because of the bombs from Rocker Black, that's going to go Rocker Black's way. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, by the way. Yeah. Um, I would have thought Bailey would have been there because, you know, he would be more confident under the high ball. Plus... He is would... fairly young, too. Yeah, that. Plus... You would have that. Um, you'd have Blake closer to the ball as he's not. He you don't have to continuously shift to him on the wing for him to gain the ball and run. He, he can just have yeah. him in the center, and he can run like an in, inside line like Val Holmes does for maybe yeah, now and then. He's a powerful runner. Oh, hundred percent. However, what I think will definitely be. Biggest job for both of these team for Paro Invis is limiting the back five from the kick meter returns. We saw mm. how good Dylan Edwards was last week. Two hundred and eighty-seven run meters, fourteen tackle breaks. There's a reason why Edwards is the Panthers player of the year. It yeah. is a shame we would we probably will not see him in a rep jersey until Tedesco maybe steps down, but that won't be until at least three years away. Mm. And to be honest, if I'm a club, I'm looking at Dylan Edwards. I think they re-signed him until 2025. Yeah, I I think Penrith would be saying, hands off my Dylan, to be honest. They're not not giving him up. Yeah, hell no. Um, And that's that's a good point you've raised with his effectiveness this week, and it's really going to come down to the Eels' kick chase because Moses is a great positional kicker. But we saw what but he, yeah, he has those errors in him sometimes. Um, Cleary, I don't, I don't think so. I think Cleary is a robot. Um, he doesn't His when Cleary's, yeah, when Cleary is, <laughs> when Cleary is on, he's on. Um, yeah, and the thing is, he's on every week. 
Like he's not some inconsistent wild card. Like he's a guy that does it every single week. Mm. You know, the, the worst he's played all year, you know, aside from him getting sent off was probably Origin 3. And even then, I don't even think he was bad. No. I'm I'm in the group that thinks that he actually played a pretty solid game. It's just that he was the only guy in the spine that was really taking much pressure. Yeah, Tedesco on the kick returns, but there wasn't there just wasn't anything doing for New South Wales against that Queensland team. You, so you also have Charlie Staines, as for mentioned, one hundred and seventeen run meters and Brian Toho two hundred and ninety three. Every Bizarre is ridiculous. Oh. How does he keep doing this? You, you, you have a look at him and goes, oh, damn, his effectiveness has really gone down since the MCL injury. Yeah, that could be true, as he's not getting those tough carries at the back as often. However, I, th- I think he's doing everything he needs to. 100%. Uh, uh, Stephen Crichton, 100, 111. Isaac, Isaac Tago, 92. Wow. We um... mentioned that... We usually mention with Cronulla that the back five is... A major priority to stop. Same goes here for Penrith. Defense, yes. chase, even kick pressure for Pen- for Parramatta is going to be huge in winning this game. They cannot slack off. Rabbit slacked off. They had so many errors in that game. It cost them. Mm. It led to the momentum being gained from Penrith. And yeah. 46 missed tackles from Rabbitohs against Penrith the other night. Wow. To be fair, I can't blame anyone for missing a tackle until Edwards or Brad No, nah, four, 14 but, tackle breaks, Dylan Edwards. Insane. Yeah. And he's not the biggest... Something player. else. No, he's not. He just... He's footy brains and he's also... He's very quick. I don't think he gets enough credit for his physical gifts and how quick he is because people always talk about Dylan Edwards as like this guy with no X factor. I, I call rubbish on that. Mm. I think he's got plenty of X factor when he needs to. He knows exactly which spots to hit, and he hits them quick. Hundred uh, percent. Something else also uh, is watching that uh, Tom Opacic has been meant. He's been put in the squad for Eels. Yes. Um, I'm not sure what his fitness is like, but I-, I wouldn't be overwhelmingly surprised if we end up seeing him this week. Um, I like. I don't know what his fitness is. I don't know where he's at. But Good he's to mention, obviously he missed yesterday's training session. That's Monday. Mm. And Brown was rested. Yeah, I I reckon Brown can have all the rest he wants. To be honest, yeah. after what he's done the past few weeks, really? no one no one's questioning Dylan Brown's effort. No, God, no. Um, Madge McGuire is just soiled in his pants and how good Brown will be for this World Cup. Yeah, Hughes, Brown. Kieran Thorne off the bench. Wow, ridiculous. We're talking talking international footy again. Yeah, no, we're getting excited. What else else can we really say about the grand final other than that all we're really thinking about now is the World Cup? Yeah, because this grand final is going to be boring. What? No, I'm joking. Gammon. Um, Cleary's going to kick some mad torps and you're going to eat your words. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to do a Cleary mad torp counter. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to have to look into doing that with um, what we think we're going to do Sunday night. Um, yeah. Stay tuned for that news. 
yes, there'll be a good announcement if we do end up doing this. Yes. Um, you can listen to me swear at the football. <laughs> Who doesn't want to? Oh, good Lord. You should just don't watch me when, just don't listen to me when the Raiders are playing. Raiders. Yeah. Knew it. Um, your prediction, your predictions, uh, who wins and the margin? Penrith by... The, the real question for me is if we're going for 40 plus or not. Nah, just... <laughs> um, going to go Penrith and I think it's going to be between 6 to 12. 1 to 12, obviously, but between 6 to 12 specifically. Yeah, okay. Um, look, every time I've mentioned this could be a small gap, I've proven wrong. Um, so. I'm politely asking you for an Eels win by two points. Please predict that. I am. Because I reckon... <laughs> Look. Here's my thing. I'm a football fan. And football gets boring when the same team wins over and over again. So, in saying that... I don't want Penrith to go back-to-back. As much as they deserve it, and as much as they are a brilliant footy side, I want some excitement. I want power to win. Also, there is the theory that... um, The Top Gun theory. That... You've seen this. Yes. um, 37 years ago, the last time Power Matter won a championship, it was Top Gun number one at the World Box Office... And, funnily enough, the top song of that year was Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. And what happened to Stranger Things this year? Running Up That Hill became the theme song. It's all in place. The Matrix has founded it. The Matrix wants to see power Up by two, also. Um, you know what? Yeah, up by two. I reckon a penalty goal will decide this game. Well... That'll, that'll be fantastic. I, I can't wait. The Ashley Klein dying minutes penalty goal has been awarded to Mitch Moses from right in front, and he kicks it, and then he celebrates like the most passionate person you've ever seen in the world. And then he just dogs the other team and say how <laughs> shit they are in the post-match conference. <laughs> Is this before or after the disrespectful field goal with three seconds to go? Hmm. This is uh, afterwards. Oh, this is this is going to be either the greatest game we've ever watched or we're going to say we wish that some other team made it. Or I'm going to say I wished I watched NASCAR instead. <laughs> no, <funny>. Left turn. <laughs> left turn. Oh, left left turn. turn. Left turn. No, um, I'm going to be happy because uh, the Formula 1 is on straight after this game and they're back in Singapore. So I've... You know what I've been doing lately? Whenever footy's on, I have the footy on one monitor and on my TV, I have the um, Formula One. So I've been watching the both at the same time. Can we we get Latrell Mitchell to do the reporting for the Ferrari garage? Um, I would love to see that. Ferrari in the garage, that's all. Mitchell... Mitchell meets Leclerc. Let's see. I want to see that. And then Cody Walker meets uh, Carlos Sainz. 
Uh-oh. Oh, Jason Van Meets. Um, oh, God, I can never remember the team principal's name. Benanti? Yeah, him. That would be, That'll be fantastic. Yeah, get that. I want, I want that on the T-shirt. One of the hardest photos in history. <laughs> um, this is oh god, this episode's getting cooked because of me. It is. Yeah, yeah. How good's Greg Mazu? Oh, amazing! Am I right? <laughs> he should be playing Origin. I I don't know he why Billy be. Slater's such an idiot and not picking him. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, I think composure and uh, concentration is what is going to win power of this game it's what they need to win this game if they slack off at any minute done Penrith could be all over them Appy Corsair could be running through the middle and just scoring points left right and centre for Penrith it's what he does that's what he does limiting Appy is key I think limiting Appy I think um, they may Penrith may struggle when Appy leaves next year as I as I mentioned before but really Mm. It, we've seen what both teams can do and how they can regain that momentum. It's who regains the momentum first and keeps it. Yes. I uh, think halftime will be interesting. Halftime. Especially given the way that these teams play. I think both teams will be anxious at halftime. We're, we're approaching some blocker levels of insight now. Look, no. Oh, good Lord. Now I have to defend myself here. No. So, I think I'm sorry, Kings. It could. Well, I don't want to sound like him. They could be anxious in the regards that they're both knocking on the front door of each other. It could be a low-scoring match going into it. You know, much like it was last year, where they were neck and neck, and it came down to a singular moment by Stephen Crichton, is what changed the game. It could, grand yeah. finals are full of surprises. They are entertaining to watch. The one percenters are always equal, and that means that the big moments are the things that break it apart. Hundred percent. Um, hundred and one percent. Hundred and one percent. Yes. So yeah, can't wait for Sunday. Bit disappointed that the footy season is slowly coming to an end. But you know, but we'll stick around until the end of it, and. We'll decide what we do after the World Cup finishes. But until then, Jacob, what do we love? We love our footy. We love our footy. Thanks, everyone.